0: The quantum mechanics. Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, and we're very excited because this is our Halloween special, which is brought to you by Muddy Stilettos, the urban guide to the countryside. It's an award winning lifestyle website that brings you the cool, the quirky, and the downright unmissable
1: in your area. So, today for this Halloween special, We thought it would be really nice to concentrate on uh, the area where we live and where we record these shows and the ghosts and spooky stories from them. So you're all now familiar with the haunted pub that we would record in in normal times. But there's an awful lot of really fun stories from around this area And so that's what we're going to have a look at. And I think rather than like our normal way of looking at things is sort of trying to scratch beneath the surface and look at explanations. But I think we're all in need of a good cheer up. And so the idea with this show is this is something to cuddle up with under the duvet with a warm fire cup of cocoa and really get into that halloween spirit i think
0: yeah it's halloween we're just going to have some really fun stories and as ben said we've we've told you about our haunted pub we've also covered uh the ilma hauntings which uh is in this local area but it's a hotbed it's a hotbed around where we live of spooky tales and um we're going to also be joined by a couple of guests, right, Ben, who are yeah. going to help us in our exact- mission Exactly.
1: Today. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll bring them on in a minute. But I've been doing a little bit of research ahead of this and there's some uh, really good ones like um, the Old Black Stockings, which is it haunts part of Oxfordshire. They haunt part of Oxfordshire. I'm intrigued to find out about the old black stockings.
0: I'm, j- I'm j- totally confused, but incredibly intrigued. Yeah, ghost the old black hosiery stocking. is where we're going. <laughs> I, I love the concept of ghost hosiery. <laughs> yeah, that's superb. Well, you know, we we cover a wide selection of stuff on this podcast. We've had uh, interdimensional sausages, and now we've got ghost hosiery. So, what more do you want from us?
1: No, quite right. Well with all that said why don't we just bring the guests on cool brilliant so as promised let's introduce our two guests so first of all ruth roper wild rejoins us for the second time thank you so much for coming back ruth last time was an absolute joy
2: it's an absolute pleasure to be back you know how much i like talking about ghosts
1: Yes. Oh, of course. And um, uh, last time when we spoke to you, you teased us with an interdimensional sausage. We'll maybe revisit that again as we uh, as we go through the chat, if you don't mind. Funnily
2: enough, I was just writing that one up fully um, two days ago. So, yes.
1: Oh, fantastic. Um, Teasing us again. I can't (laughs) believe it. And uh, also joining us is Hero, who is the founder of Muddy Stilettos, um, who also enjoys a good ghost story. And as we were saying in the introduction, today's episode, we're kind of um, putting the science aside just for today and having a lovely time talking about ghost stories. So welcome, Hero, to the show.
3: Thank you so much. I'm thrilled. <laughs> I think this interdimensional sausage is uh, absolutely ripe for the unpicking on muddy slatsu. So yeah, desperate to hear about that.
0: <laughs> we're all desperate to hear about. that. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: Ruth has kept us on tender hooks for a long, long time. I'm yeah. just wondering whether there's any like ghostly condiments to go with it. But we'll 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 come on to that because today we are gonna we've, we've we're. Uh, in terms of what we like to cover, we do like to cover stories that uh, we know well and can get quite close to personally. And in a previous episode, we've taken you to the pub where we do our recordings and uh, we've tried to find the ghost of Mrs. Tipple. But Today we're just going to open that up a little bit and look at the counties of Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire which are obviously steeped in history, have a very long history and as a consequence of that there is an enormous amount of really fascinating ghost stories and you're going to want to listen to some of these because some of them are completely hilarious and some of them are really quite terrifying. And my sort of reference work for preparing for this episode was Ruth's fabulous book, The Roadmap of British Ghosts, which, unlike a lot of books about um, hauntings and the paranormal, it's not so much about specific houses and buildings, but the roads between them, because they can be scary places,
2: right, Ruth? They certainly can. I have to admit that when writing this one, I ended up being too scared to drive alone on my own at night, (laughs) which was a side effect I wasn't expecting. took a little while to get my nerve back because there's just so many stories of people seeing things at the side of the road or, you know, when they're out walking or walking down lanes and so on. So really, it was anywhere where you weren't in a building that I included in the book.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're going to, as I say, talk about Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire. I don't know if there's a particular place you wanted to start, but um, one of the, the places around here which seems to have had a lot of activity is, is Burford.
2: Burford is a really active um, place as far as I can make out. I was having a little scout through before we were talking today um, and I've come quite quite a lot of entries for Burford over the years and there's actually going to be one in the coming upcoming book as well. So it definitely is a place to go to if you want to hunt for ghosts. Um, but I had a particular one about uh, a Mrs. Bumble sweet shop in Church Lane. Um, oh, yeah. which Yeah. So it's, it was a house that was used as a sweet shop. And at one point it was known as Mrs. Bumble's. After a bit of digging around on the internet, I also found out that it was also known as Hussey's Tuck Shop at one point. Um,
0: mrs bumble seems a bit cuter <laughs>
2: <than the laughs> it, it does a bit yeah. <laughs> um and i stumbled across this story because i was asking about a, a different ghost in burford which we'll probably come on to which was going into Roadmap. um and then i had to save this one for the next book haunted these haunted times because it wasn't on a road so several people commented on my um social media post looking for ghosts uh, for the Roadmap, and Several people came forward whose parents or grandparents had all been present at this particular event, which was fascinating because that was then several different witnesses or secondhand witnesses, I should say, who'd had it handed down through their family because this seems to have happened in maybe the 1960s. And there were a group of people in the tuck shop, um, you know, waiting to be served and so on. There was a window seat in one corner of the room and a hand suddenly materialised through the seat in front of everybody. Um, apparently there was a cellar below the building, so one uh, enterprising lad who was present actually ran downstairs and ran into the cellar to see if he, you know there was somebody down there playing a joke somehow. Um, but there wasn't, there was nobody there. And this little legend of this hand appearing through this seat in this shop uh, has been handed down through the families in Burford, which is absolutely fascinating.
1: Oh, wow. So it's it was cited by different independent witnesses?
2: Yeah, and it's it's there, either children or grandchildren, that were commenting on social media. So now adults themselves who were answering me, but telling me, oh, my father told me, or my grandfather told me, they were there in the sweet shop the day this happened. So I ended up with several different versions of it from different families, which was absolutely fascinating and is, is exactly why I love to do this research, is looking for these correlations.
0: So, so going back, they're they're all in this shop, and then this spooky hand just comes up through the floor. I guess I, I guess there's something about trying to get its hand in the sweet jar, maybe <laughs> what it was trying to do. But it's bizarre. It's weird that so multiple people saw this. Did they all explain it the same way, Ruth, or did did the story deviate it, depending on who you who it they was, spoke to?
2: It was very similar how they were describing it. Some. Um, thought it was coming through the window seat, some thought it was coming through the wall beside the window seat, Um, but they all thought there was a hand that appeared. And it was obviously, because it was a tuck shop, it was a school tuck shop in in essence, that's what it was mostly used for, um, this little sweet shop in the village apparently. So the people in there at the time would have been teenagers themselves, the grandparents and parents of the people that were contacting me. And so it would have been daylight. You know, it would have been just either lunchtime or, yeah. or school break time, whatever. And they're in the sweet shop and this hand appears.
0: Wow. That's a hell of a marketing marketing campaign for Mrs Bumble, right? Because I bet <laughs> every kid in the area has been, was going back for weeks on end after that trying to see the hand, right? I bet, I bet they were. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
3: Can I ask, why is it Burford that is you think is so popular for... Uh, you know, seeing ghosts and the ghost stories. Is there something particular in the history of Burford? Um,
2: Not that I'm aware of, particularly. I sometimes wonder whether it's not so much that it's the place itself. It's rather a case of when I go out on social media, it's a place that happens to have a good social media presence. So I get good responses, um, because sometimes I have a, you know, I have a really good story that I'm researching. I go out on social media to the, you know, local to that area, and I just don't get any responses. It's it's like it's a topic that for some reason isn't popular on that social media platform or whatever. Um, whereas in other areas, you get people who are really fascinated at, about talking about the paranormal, and that's when you start to get a lot of stories jumbling in. So for me, I think it's not necessarily. That one place is more haunted than another. I think some places I just happen to tap into at the right moment that people are willing to talk about it.
3: Yeah, like paranormal superfans. Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> and and who happen to be using the same social media as me, of course. You know. So um, you've got a lot of variables there, haven't you, to sort of narrow down who's in your audience at any one moment in time to give you the stories. Um yeah and and I think that has quite a strong bearing as to which places I get more stories from but then again it does make you wonder are some places just more haunted than others
1: and and as well perhaps um I wonder whether it it could also have a bearing on um depending on the theory so the stone tape theory that we've often you know that lots of people talk about as to um how how and why ghosts exist like i know it seems a bit obvious but burford is a place where pretty much everything is built out of stone as opposed to other places where it might be bricks and whatever so i wonder whether you know that natural way of creating the the structures there also has an influence on it i don't know
2: that's always possible it might be something to do with you know how an area is built or what kind of ground it's standing on there could be all sorts of reasons really when you think about it or history to a particular area um
1: mm.
2: you know i was dealing, dealing with one just recently where it turned out there'd been a fire in the town center back in uh, a couple of hundred years ago and there seems to be an awful lot of hauntings around the area where the fire was so you wonder if that's been what triggered that paranormal activity around there mm. um but yeah i mean you're quite right burford is predominantly stone isn't it mm. so
1: well the, the other thing about burford is um you you've spoken about one limb-based ghost there's another limb-based ghost which did make me laugh out loud when i was reading your book and that is um the ghost known as old black stockings on the road out towards minster lovell what what can you recall about old old black stockings?
2: Well, isn't that a fascinating name to give a ghost? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Well, again, this was something I hadn't found this story myself. This came out of witnesses um contacting me and telling me about legends in the area or, or sightings, or what have you. And this seemed to be quite well known. There were several people mentioned this story of old black stockings in the area. Um. And it is literally what the name suggests. There's supposed to be a pair of floating black stockings that's, that can be seen sometimes and, get, and appear to get caught up on cars as you drive past. So people actually think that, you know, some black stockings have just caught on their car. But then when they go to remove them, whatever, they're not there, there's nothing there. So, and it seems to have been... Um, around the 1950s that this was particularly prevalent, which I guess, you know, was when stockings were, you know, perhaps more popular than they are today. Um, And for some reason, the children of the time were warned that if you were naughty, then old black stockings would come and get you, which... (laughs) (laughs) Well, to me, me, it doesn't make you wonder. I'm just just trying
0: to work out what old black stockings would do to you, though, apart from kind of... (laughs) get wrapped in your car
2: well it does make you wonder whether it's actually a corruption of an older legend that's been lost um that was perhaps about a witch or something you know right or you know an old uh, lady that people you know um wise woman or whatever that people were afraid of or something and it does make you wonder if there's kind of a corruption of myths down over time and that that's transmuted into the story that's around today but one witness did specifically say that her grandmother had actually seen the floating black stockings so wow where had she seen them where were they floating just on in the road um it's actually on the um i think it's the um i think you're right yes the road towards minster Lovell from burford so just driving along there, and that's where she saw them. But that was quite some time ago, because it was her grandmother.
0: I love the fact that that's that's a road that's known for its hosiery-based haunting. It's superb.
2: (laughs) It should get a
1: little brown sign, really, shouldn't it?
0: Yeah, really. it it does sound it's a great story but it it does sound like a concept for scooby-doo that got rejected doesn't it a little bit just a little bit
1: (laughs) imagine the lego they'd have to build off that that would be that'd be difficult but and i think like for anybody who is wanting to do a little bit of amateur ghost hunting um i found that um on hero on your website there's um Uh, a cool little article at the moment about places that you can visit that are haunted, and it did catch my eye that Burford Priory is in there, which uh, is built on the site of a 13th century hospital, and you stand a good chance of seeing a little brown monk if you if you if you go there and to be honest I, like I think if you're going to see a ghost if it's your first time ghost hunting then looking out for a monk is probably uh, a really good shout <laughs> it's,
3: it's a gentle experience isn't it so a little, little yeah uh, you're kind of first first go at ghostery you want it to be um you want it to be something like a little nurturing level. not you too might scary well, you might
1: as well go for, yeah go for something classic like <laughs> like like a monk <laughs> um Talking of um, things that are are classic, um, down the road a bit at High Wycombe, Ruth, in your book you mention um, in High Wycombe there's a place called White Hill and um, a a little bit like Black Stockings. This is something where people reported in 1936 running over a man in a black cloak and then when they go and look underneath the lorry nothing there and then um subsequent reports running up i think the last one is 1994 those those ones are i think they're the most terrifying because it's that thought of it's not just seeing a ghost but you think that you've actually killed someone
2: do you know there's an awful lot of um road ghosts where the ghost steps out into the road um or appears in front of cars or whatever and and people think that they've just hit them or think they've just passed through them or what have you. Um, so it seems to be quite an ongoing phenomenon right around the country. And, yep, you're absolutely right with the White Hill one. Um, you know, that's gone on for quite some decades now, those sightings on that area, sporadically, but nevertheless spanning over quite some time, which always, to me, makes it seem more likely that there is actually something behind the story. Because if it was just a one-off story, you, you would kind of imagine it would peter out over time as people lost interest. But if more people see it and it, it fires the story back up again, um, it, it, I always end up with a, well, there's no smoke without fire sort of feeling and that people must yeah. actually be experiencing something there. And that's what always fascinates me about finding you know, more than one witness in any particular area. Mm,
0: and that... That idea of them kind of jumping in front of the car—it also lends itself to a theory that potentially that may have been the way that they died in some way. That you know, as Ben was saying about the Stone Tape theory, that it's kind of reliving the moment. It it brings conjures up those thoughts in your head.
2: It does. Um, I often I often wonder whether it's, did they die that way, or is it Stone Tape theory where. They were walking along that road at that time and their mood was so dark that they were having suicidal thoughts. And that's what's been rec- recorded rather than necessarily right. the actual moment of death. Or I've even, you know, had somebody suggest that it, this is actually more to do with elemental type hauntings where something is manifesting itself in a way that we will recognise Um and therefore, okay. you know, that it isn't necessarily that an actual person died along that bit of road, but that there's a paranormal entity there that's showing itself in that way. Um, so
0: in some way trying to communicate. is Yeah, is that possibly. What that yeah. Although okay.
2: throwing oneself in front of a car wouldn't necessarily be the best it's method of communication. But well,
0: <laughs> it's weird. While, while we were talking about that story, it reminded me, we did a, an episode on haunted theme parks, and there was a theme park in the States where they'd built it next to a graveyard and the story goes they accidentally damaged one of the graves of a little girl and she was forever seen in the car park and would jump out in front of cars trying to scare them so you know, it kind of ties in with that kind of backstory of, you know, maybe trying to communicate something of some injustice or whatever it is. It is fascinating, though, that, that it seems to be a theme that they that ghosts would throw themselves out in front of cars or, or people.
3: You know, Ruth, with your with the White Hill one, with the, the all the different people who see the same thing, was there what do they describe the ghost in the same way? Was it kind of wearing, you know, wearing a identifiable sort of outfit from a certain era, or is it more like a kind of presence? It's just been described
2: as a person wearing either a black cloak or maybe monk's type habits, you know, long, dark clothing, sort of quite nondescript really, but something long and dark, which tends to suggest either a monk's habit or a long cloak. But when you actually look into the history of of clothing in this country, there's such long periods where, Actually, the clothing was quite similar. Um, You know, if you were a clothing historian, you'd be able to tell the difference at a glance, no doubt. But us mere lay people, you know, cloaks were worn for such a long period, weren't they? Hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, It it becomes almost um, the standard attire for ghosts in this country, Um, Mm. you know, to be in, in sort of cloaks or long dresses or what have you
0: and we we discussed that last time didn't we the, the fact that people would always talk about seeing or oh, a, a ghost in a white victorian dress and you know you raised the valid point of well actually if we saw something like that would we know whether it was victorian or edwardian or where, what 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 time frame it came from and i think that's a really really good point for those
1: of us who do get sort of spooked out driving by ourselves at night is there do you Um, Have you come across any cases, Ruth, where the phantom actually gets in the car with you?
2: I've got quite a few of those, actually, in the books. Um, I'm I'm not sure I've got any in, actually, Oxfordshire or Buckinghamshire, so you'll probably be quite pleased to hear that, although I'm sure if I searched my (laughs) database, I'd find one or two. Um, But actually, it's a lot more prevalent than you would think where people are driving and something manifests inside the car or sometimes clinging to the outside of the car oh my god um, that's worse uh, yeah i'm yeah to be honest uh, you can see now why i ended up being scared of driving at night
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i'm never going out again ever <laughs> after talking to you Ree.
2: and it really it really wasn't helped um when it's just coming up on a year now there's a particular piece of road not far from where i live that has a apparition on it and i actually managed to see it Um, nearly a year ago myself, Um, and I have been literally, and I'm ashamed of myself to admit this, you know, ghost hunter extraordinaire, five books in, I have literally been too scared to drive back down the bit of Road at night on my own to try and see it again. I'll only go if somebody will come with me. Um,
0: And what did you see, Ruth? What was it like?
2: Well, it's a really fascinating little story. I'm sorry it's not in your area, but it's only just over. It's literally Keep just go go for it it's just over the border <laughs> from Buckinghamshire we're literally about four miles outside of Buckinghamshire where it is um, so it's a small bit of lane between uh, a village and the outskirts of Milton Keynes. So yeah so this little stretch of road is just um, on the border probably with Buckinghamshire and I first came across it when a chap was telling me oh did you know that bit of road is haunted that you come down on the way to uh, Tractor Club no what by Um, he said oh there's a he said I saw it a few years ago there's a chap who is wearing some kind of heavy jacket and heavy looking work trousers and work boots who just stands by the side of the road so of course I start searching for other people who might have seen this I found um, one of our friends actually who had seen it some years ago and said oh that's weird we've seen him The first time we saw him, we went back and looked for him, couldn't find anything because it was so late at night. It was sort of one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning when they saw him that they assumed it must be somebody in trouble and went back um, only to find that there was nobody there. They then saw him again a couple of years later and this time they didn't bother going back to look because they thought, nope, been fooled by that one before, just ignoring it, driving on. Then I found a lady who had seen the same figure, again, just standing at the side of the road. And then I f- found a lady who told me that she and her husband had seen it at about three o'clock one morning along the same stretch of road as all the others. and But this time he was, he was actually standing in the middle of the road as they came round the bend onto that stretch of road. And he was facing the car. So she had an impression of grey straggly hair her husband thought he also had a beard. And as they came around the bend, he was literally standing right in the road, so her husband had to break and swerve round him to miss him. And for all these years since it happened, it's about a decade since that happened, they've argued with themselves as to whether that was a real person that they saw that night, and they should have gone back to see if he needed help, because what on earth was a person walking along that lane at two o'clock in the morning? But at the same time, she knows that something felt indefinably wrong and they couldn't bring themselves to go back that night and they kind of justified it to themselves as they were driving on by saying, oh, well, it might want to be one of those scams where people flags cars down and then there's other people waiting in right. the ditch to, you know, sort of jump out or whatever. But they knew that wasn't really the explanation because this is a really sparsely travelled little country lane If you were going to try a scam like that and you waited there at two o'clock in the morning, you'd probably be there for six hours before the milk float came along, you know, Um, (laughs) with with no cars to flag down. So, of course, having had all these accounts, it so happens that I have to drive that piece of road every fortnight in the evening. So I start looking for it because, you know, ghost hunter. Mm. And um, I've been looking for it for about four, five months, maybe. And... This particular evening, it was December last year. It was one of those nights when it was bright moonlight, but also there was a frost. So the frost was all glittery in the moonlight and there was a mist rising and a fog falling at the same time. So you would get patches of road that were completely clear with just frost glittering. Patches of road that had mist swirling around, you know, below the car sort of thing. And then patches of road that had fog coming down and sort of obscuring the sky. So you'd have clear underneath the fog, if you know what I mean. So you were driving in and out of all these different types of mist and fog. So I get to the haunted bit of road and I slow down and I look carefully for the ghost, um, as I had done countless times before. Saw absolutely nothing. Chalked it down to, oh, well, try again next fortnight. Carried on, kept driving, went through the village, went for about another two and a half miles from where everybody else has seen it. And at that point, I happened to pass the farm entrance of some friend of ours who live on a farm. So I glanced to my right to look at the farm, glanced back ahead at the road. I've got my main beams on. I can see the whole road ahead of me as far as the main beams reach. I drive up the piece of road as I get past the crossing, which is just next to the farm. All of a sudden, literally in front of my bonnet, but just on the side of the road, so I didn't have to swerve, was this bloke standing there facing away from me, head bowed, wearing what looked to me like one of those old fashioned donkey jackets that workmen you you know used to wear some sort of heavy trouser and big steel cap toe cap type boots on facing away from me head bowed he was literally right next to the bonnet of the car so as i'm traveling at i don't know maybe 40 miles an hour whatever i've had to whip my head round to the side to watch him he's on the driver's side as he went past i glanced in my rear view mirror nothing to be seen But the weirdest thing about him, or the two weirdest things really, were instead of being the normal muted colours that you get in a car's headlights at night, he looked like he was made up of the colours of the night in patchwork, like he was wearing a patchwork camouflage from head to toe, in glittery frost and the smoky grey of the mists and the black of the night, all in patchwork all over him. And he was actually glittering in places like the frost was glittering. And the second really weird thing was ghost hunter here. Every single time I've had any other kind of experience, I have immediately rushed back to try and either debunk it or recreate it or capture a picture of it or whatever. That's what I do. On this night, I could not persuade myself to turn that car around and go and look for him. And I drove along for the, it's about, four miles from there to my house, drove along, literally sh- shouting at myself in the car, turned the car around, to go and look for him. But I couldn't bring myself to do it because I was too scared. And there was just something about, uh, and it was weird because that's what that lady had said, that they just couldn't bring themselves to go back and look
3: for him. And do you think at that point, Ruth, that you're maybe in the wrong job? <laughs> <laughs> well...
2: You know, there's a theory that the more that you look at the paranormal, the more the paranormal will look back. And
0: we've we've, we've had that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, And, you know, like I say, every other time when I'm ghost hunting, I happily go back in and look for whatever it is, try and recreate it, get a picture of it, get it on tape. You know, I, I try and I rush towards what's happening rather than away from it. But this one occasion there was something about that figure that I couldn't bring myself to go and look at it.
3: Is it because some some ghosts you think are kind of, you know, they're they're more of a malign, nasty presence and others just feel, you know, I mean, welcoming. Might be too strong a word for it, but you know what I mean.
2: Well, I get quite a lot of people saying that the ghost they saw was welcoming, funnily enough. Um, You know, I get a lot of... uh, The ghost had a really nice smile on their face, And there was a real sense of peace and calm with them. And then I also get quite a lot of there was a real sense of menace and terror around what the person saw. But I probably get an equal amount of I had no idea it was a ghost. It just looked like somebody completely ordinary until it either disappears Mm. or you know it does something that ordinary people can't do. So there seemed to be as much a range in the spirit world as there would be in our world you know some appear to be utterly terrifying and others appear to be quite benign now why that should be greater minds than mine will have to work out i'm afraid
0: <laughs> although ruth i am thinking with your story i was wondering if brian may from queen has a house around there and was just out for a walk <laughs>
2: Not that I know of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you know. No. And uh, how many times have you, because I know you collect these stories from different areas and you've got your paranormal database, which kind of chronicles where things have happened. Uh, is, is that one of the few times that you've actually gone back and observed something that, that somebody else has talked to you about or does it happen quite regularly?
2: Um, I search regularly. So I'm forever, anytime I've got to go anywhere for any reason you can bet your bottom dollar I'll be looking up to see whether there's a ghost on the way and I'll make a detour to see if, you know, I can see something or drive down the road that it's supposed to be or what have you just, you know, and I go actual ghost hunting where I'll go and spend a night looking for, you know, whatever. Um, But the number of times where I can experience something where somebody else has are quite few and far between. Um, You know, I've had a few, Um, but mostly ghost hunting is an awful lot of time spent wandering around places in the dark and absolutely nothing happening. Mm. Um, so, you know, you just, you just have to take that as part of the territory that you can't go out and think, oh, I'll go ghost hunting tonight and see lots of ghosts. And, you know, it's, it's not like that. You know, if you're lucky enough to experience something, it's few and far between.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Before we stop talking about car, ghosts that jump into cars, hero, you, you had an experience, didn't you, with um, one of your uh, cousins with a ghost in the car?
3: I did, I did yeah. And I, I've got to say, it's the first kind of direct experience i ever, well, not, yes, I suppose it is a direct experience I've ever had with a, with a ghost. Um, she came down to see me, my cousin from, York, from Yorkshire. She had a couple of young children in the back of the car with her. I think they were three and four, so very young. And, um, we're just driving around and, uh, the four-year-old sort of pipes up, uh, says, um, uh, mummy, you know, mummy, um, who's uncle Pip? And uh, my cousin kind of looks at me, she kind of looked a bit, She's you like, know, oh, um, it was grandma's or well, her grandma, mine and her grandma's, her great grandma's, the little girls, um, ex-husband, but, the, but. Uh, Uncle Pip had died many years before. And so it really wasn't something they discussed. That the kid wouldn't know that name um, at all. So I could see she was a bit surprised. And she, she sort of turned around. And she said, oh, you know, why are you asking? And uh, the little girl, she just, my niece, just said, um, oh, well, it's just he's sitting next to me in the car. And um, he just said he wants you to know uh, that um, that Grandma is, um, is well and happy. Wow. <laughs> and um so yeah it was absolutely mind-boggling my my cousin just sort of swerved off the road and slammed on the brakes and uh, we sort of looked at each other and yeah just absolutely extraordinary to kind of have that you know on a on a sort of a road in oxfordshire really
0: Oh, your hairs on the back of your neck must have stood up. that's incredible well, it
3: was unbelievable, and my grandmother is deceased as well, so it was kind of um you know there was no reason for these little kids. I mean obviously they knew about their grandma but they, but um uncle pip was was would have totally been off their radar, so yes, it was totally freaky, a very unpleasant experience. I mean, great that my grandma was really happy. Let's take yeah, the good yeah, things by. take the
0: good things. <laughs> But again, weirdly, it reminded me of a story. I, I, one of my aunts, when I was kind of, you know, about 10 years ago, said to me, oh, does that old lady still come and visit you when you sleep? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And apparently, when I was a young child, like five or six, I used to say this old lady used to come and brush my hair at night. And when I described her, apparently, it was it was the exact description of my great-grandmother, now, I don't remember any of this, but my aunt was saying to me, oh, no, you used to talk about her all the time, coming and brushing your hair and stuff. So it's kind of made me think of that story. Wow. It's,
3: you know, it's kind, of, um, it's kind of touching in a strange way, isn't it, to have somebody, mm. you know, part, someone from your family trying to give you a positive message, really? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, that's an amazing story.
3: And it does make you wonder if it's
2: because children are, you know, less cynical about the world around them so they they still see these things whereas we as adults have we kind of trained ourselves not to see things around us um you know if we can't explain it we kind of shut down our minds about it a little bit whereas children as you get
0: older you do filter out so much noise don't you and so much input that you can't you, you have to filter it out to kind of deal with the amount of information that's coming in. Maybe when you're younger, you're, younger, you're more open to that and less filtered, maybe.
2: Fascinating, though. As, as the little, did you say it was a little girl, I think you said here.
3: Is has she had any other experiences since? Or, or was that just a one-off? I, it was a, well, I, I'm i not too sure. I think it, um, I haven't spoken to my cousin for a while. It's just reminded me to say hello, actually. It did happen quite a long time ago because she's up in Yorkshire and I'm down here. Um, but I, so that's a really good call. I might find out. Maybe I'll send you up there, Ruth. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Which bit of road was it on? Can you remember? I don't know, actually. Like, I'm down South Oxford. It would have been South Oxfordshire because she would have been visiting my mum as well. So, probably sort of, it was an A road. So, it might be sort of A420 or something like that. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll ask my mum. I'll ask my mum. I would have told her. So, I'll find out and let you know.
2: Yeah, do, and I'll see if it's on my database as one that has you know other hitchhiking ghosts along it
0: <laughs> yeah that'd be great well if you do find that out ruth we'll definitely post that on our social media and we'll see if we can uh find out any more as well on that area if there is a place where it's happening wow
1: moving on to um more ghosts that make you smile um I regularly travel to Clanfield because I've got um, good friends that live in Clanfield and um, Ruth in your book, you talk about the road between Bampton and Clanfield. Bampton is famous uh, outside of paranormal circles for being a filming location for Downton Abbey. So if you're listening in the States or elsewhere, if you've watched Downton Abbey, you will definitely have seen um, bits of Bampton Um, But on the way there, um, there is a ghost who apparently appears naked quite often. Apparently so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's because they've lost their hosiery, that's why. And their cloak.
2: (laughs) Do you know, I'm pretty sure that's the only naked ghost I know of, that one. Is it? I was going to ask whether there were any that
1: went au naturel, but
2: okay. I can't think of any others off the top of my head that were um, yes without clothes so yeah that might be a one off
3: no fortunately <laughs> <laughs> i'd be staking out that stretch of road if i was you that sounds like a very interesting ghost to see <laughs> yeah. well i'm definitely
1: definitely definitely going to be looking out for it now but like knowing that just area turned it
0: into a dogging hotspot i say
1: well aside from um, naked ghosts i also was pleased that um you had a ghost cyclist um little milton rofford lane in little milton it seems not a been naked cyclist s- several no 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 a fully clothed cyclist <laughs> um that s- several drivers seem to s- sort of a bit, a bit like you described your sighting ruth you you see them as you go towards them You look in the rearview mirror and they've completely gone um and being a cyclist, that must mean, that's a relatively recent-ish ghost, I would think. I mean, cycling wasn't very popular until, well, at least the last century, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're talking, it must be within the last hundred years, mustn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: you know, depending on what type of bicycle you're talking about, I suppose, that would, you know, that's a good way of dating a ghost, isn't it? Mm. What the cyclist would look like. But yeah, so the, um, that one was seen in 2006, and then again in 2015, um, Uh, and the second time there was a witness a second witness to it so quite interesting we do get a fair bit of cycling ghosts and there's one in derbyshire that's um known for you can hear it coming because the bicycle squeaks um so yeah the cycling ghosts do appear um motorbike ghosts as well you get quite a few motorbike ghosts um
0: Cause we talked about this last time about horse and carriages, mm. that you you rarely see the horse and the carriage together in ghostly form. But it's interesting there seems to be different types of uh of uh of road vehicle depending uh whether whether it comes together with the ghost itself, which is weird.
2: Well, it, it is, yes, and I I mean I I know there's one at Bennett End in Buckinghamshire. Um, where there is a legend of a ghostly horse and carriage um, is supposed to travel down that bit of road, Um, which I couldn't substantiate anybody ever having heard or seen the ghostly carriage. But I did manage to find somebody who in 1985 had been um, out hiking and had, had stopped to sort of sit along there and they'd heard the sound of a horse walking along there. Um, and you can't help but wonder if actually had they been able to hear it a bit more clearly, would they have heard the sound of wheels behind the horse? You know, is this mm. is this one of those cases where originally it was a sighting of a horse and cart perhaps rather than carriage? Um, and that over time the apparition has diminished. So now it's just sound who knows but mm.
0: i love that idea though it'd be so spooky to see a ghost on like a penny farthing or something like that would be really really weird wouldn't it
2: well it does make you wonder doesn't it because i don't think i've ever heard of a ghost on a penny farthing right. um i can't which again
0: back to our kind of victorian obsession would make sense yeah but these are much more modern bicycles that you're talking about and motorbikes yeah, wow.
3: So I was going to say you're not you're unlikely to be knocked off a penny farthing, are you, I suppose. How many of those would have been knocking on the knocking well, on I the don't
0: know. You can, I, I don't know, I've never ridden one, but I, they look pretty unstable. <laughs> well,
3: I was just going to say were they ever actually that
2: well used? Because they're so unstable. Yeah. You know, was it one of those things that we all know of them because they're such a weird-looking thing. Yeah. But really, how many people actually rode around on them in daily use? And I I suspect the answer is probably not that many because they were just such a ridiculous unstable piece of kit, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So perhaps that's why is that they just you know, you know, it's like you won't see too many Sinclair C five ghosts because they although we all know what they look like, nobody really bought one and used it on a daily basis to any great degree, you know.
1: Mm.
0: it'd be interesting to know as well with kind of you know, over the last what 10-15 years how cycling has just exploded whether there'll be more and more bike uh, uh influence ghosts in the future it's quite interesting you know especially with the amount of injuries that can be caused know,
2: yeah. it be really interesting if somebody ever had the time to actually be, act like a ghost historian yeah you know and look to see how sightings changed over time and whether they changed you know on a predictable curve depending on what was prevalent at the time you know
0: yeah trend trends at the time like 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 bikes and stuff yeah yeah interesting
1: just as you were talking about noises of um transport there was uh, another sighting from your book ruth that i had um highlighted at gerard's cross around the bull hotel the sighting so um in the accounts which um i think you credit to the bucks free press in uh, 1984 um the gentleman is leaving the bull hotel and he hears the sound of a horse trotting towards him and then he waits as it approaches uh wondering as you say why he should why anyone should be out riding that late at night and then sees the figure of a highwayman faintly luminous um with a big cloak hat and carrying a gun that's a that's an amazing
2: sighting it really is isn't it yeah um i mean like you say i've i've taken that from another source so i've never been able to speak to that witness myself and check it out or anything but it, it does seem like an incredibly clear sighting of a highwayman and we have so many highwaymen ghost legends around this country i mean you would assume you'd be tripping over them every night that you went out in the country, in the yes. UK. Um, far more ghostly highwaymen than I think we ever had live highwaymen, probably.
0: Um, <laughs> well, we, we did. We did one. We did a, an episode on the top ten haunted pubs in the UK, and Dick Turpin just gets around. We oh found. boy, he was. He, he haunted about four pubs, didn't he, in that list? Yeah,
1: yeah. He's a busy man. Well,
0: and we also developed the idea that could there be kind of ghost looky likeies out there all pretending to be Dick Turpin was another theory. Really. Or
2: can ghosts clock over time? And is that what's going on here? You know, because another one is Anne ah.
0: <laughs> Time and a half after midnight. That's Absolutely. what it is. Absolutely.
2: So the more pubs you can get round, as, you know, Dick Turpin, whatever, the greater you can clock your card. Um, because you're right. You know, the, I mean, the, the other one is Anne um, you know she gets around so many places, often on the same night, apparently. Um, and it does make you wonder about. Well, honestly, you know, if I showed you a lineup of highwaymen, would you be able to pick out? Well, that one was Dick Turpin. No, no. <laughs> so you know, if you see this, you know, at least this one from Gerard's Cross. At least he didn't say, "Oh, it was Dick Turpin," which is good. Um, yeah. Because the truth is. I haven't a clue what Dick Turpin looks like. I know he's a highwayman who's famous in our history, but I wouldn't have a clue what he actually looked like. So, you know, is this just a highwayman? And we always describe highwaymen the same way, don't we, in UK history? Did they really, really honestly all have a sort of highwayman's uniform? Didn't that kind of give the game away with what they were trying to achieve? Um, yeah. I'm just popping out, dear, to get a pint of milk or whatever. Mm, why are you wearing that cloak and big hat and carrying a pistol and long riding boots? Yeah, you don't normally. Don't your you're a your pistol. Don't yeah. your pistol. So I'm always a little bit suspicious of these, um, you know, really stereotypical type ghosts if you like um you know because it it, to me that's more pandering to a common um urban myth about what you're supposed to see rather than actually clocking what you're really looking at
0: well or or what, what i think we discussed last time which you know in order to kind of process what you're seeing maybe you do put some Uh, stereotypical figure to it, to make sense of it, maybe.
2: Maybe. Yeah, maybe you do. Um, Or maybe um, the human mind has a tendency to try and remember things in frames of reference it can cope with.
0: Yes. Yep, yep. So if you see
2: a rider on a horse, your mind goes to highwaymen rather than, you know, oh, that's just the ghost of a rider on a horse.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also, it's an easy way to explain it, like how most people call vacuum cleaners hoovers. Maybe most people call ghost Highwayman Dick Turpin because it's an easy way to say it's shorthand for, I saw a man who looked like this, possibly. Yes,
2: yeah, that's very true. Um, and you're absolutely right. We do use shorthand parlance like that, don't we? We all know what we mean by a hoover, regardless of mm. what brand we've actually bought, you know. mm Um, so maybe it is just a it becomes part of our shorthand for saying a bit like we were saying earlier like saying somebody was in victorian dress it's our shorthand for saying they weren't in dress of this century
1: right yeah yeah
2: you know i'm
0: I'm worried now i've started a spate of brian may ghost-like sightings just by my (laughs) comment earlier
2: (laughs) (laughs) even worse you could have set off a brian may tulpa
0: yeah have a private <laughs> <hope>. <laughs> now there is a scary thought <laughs>
1: well there's there's two more things I desperately want to cover so uh one of them is so again, this is from your article hero the uh this is described this is something that is described as existing or and being seen at the former Red Cross hospital in Taplow, and it's uh well i can only describe it as it sounds like it's a beast it's called the flincher a winged black beast and it says it has terrified trespassers um in that building and that i love things which aren't humanoid shape and i wondered whether um, ruth if you'd come across anything that wasn't horse or man shaped in bucks and oxen had you ever come across anything like the flincher
2: Um, Off the top of my head, I can't remember one in Bucks and Oxen. No, but I can remember one in, I think it was Northamptonshire. It wasn't human. Um, And that one was slightly curious. I I can't remember that I've mentioned this one to you before, so stop me if I have. Um, It's a lane that's supposed to be haunted by the ghost of a black monk. So again, back to our stereotypical, you know, what you'd expect to see (laughs) when you go ghost hunting. And this lady and her husband were driving down the lane. She knows it was the 5th of November, about 10 years ago. Uh, Thinking of when I interviewed her, it would be about 12 years ago now. Um, She knows it was the 5th of November because they were on their way to a bonfire night party. So it would have been around 7-ish in the evening, something like that. And they were new to the area. So at that point, they didn't know this lane was supposed to be haunted by a black monk. So they had no preconceived ideas of haunted or spooky or might see something on the way, you know. Hmm. And this particular lane they were driving down was a very narrow lane, country lane, with high banks on either side with vegetation on them. So very difficult for anything to push through from either side. And all of a sudden, in the headlights, there steps out of one hedgerow, a very tall humanoid but clearly not human figure um which had more of a snout than a human face of quite a elongated face very long arms very long legs hairless um, and it was just it had stepped out of the hedge and bank on one side of the road and was loping across the road in front of their car In quite a slow loping gait her husband slammed the brakes on the car made that heavy braking noise that cars can make as its front end dipped that noise appeared to attract the attention of whatever it was and it's always given me the real creeps because this lady described it to me as instead of just turning to look at the car this thing turned its head really really slowly as if it was some kind of robot or automaton moving rather than a living creature, it's turned its head really, really slowly from facing directly forward to facing directly at them, so a 90-degree turn, looked at them for a moment and then performed the same slow turn of the head back to forward, never broke its stride, and just loped across the road and threw the hedgerow on the other side. Now, clearly not human, clearly not really quite a cryptid, um, possibly alien um certainly not a monk in a black habit, that's for damn sure um so what was it was were they because they had no preconceived ideas, were they seeing the elemental or whatever that actually causes the paranormal occurrences that we then interpret in a different way if we have a preconceived idea in our head? I often wonder about that whether it's kind of like a cloaking mechanism somehow that you know that yeah. we see what we we're expecting to see rather than what's actually there and because they weren't expecting to see anything they saw what was actually there i don't know or whether who knows spin your theories however you wish at this point <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah 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 i i ben, i'd quite like to come back to the flincher though okay i want to know more about this this thing so do i because it, it it's like not on it, my, it's, my it's, database <laughs> and it sounds like a story that's got a bit of everything
1: It does. It does. Well, I guess to know any more, you'll uh, you'll need to go there um, because, um, yeah, you can you you can go there. Uh, It's it's near Cliveden Village uh, near Taplow. So, yeah, I I, I, to be honest, like I think um, from the article, the idea is that um, if you want to go and find something peculiar, that's a good place to go. And the flincher is what you're looking out for if you go there.
0: Oh, I feel we need to go on a ghost hunt down there and find the flincher. This is going to be my new obsession.
2: So, what does it look like exactly? Yeah. What does yeah, it?
0: Describe describe it again, Ben. Describe it
1: again. Uh, it is described as a winged black beast. Ooh.
3: So wow. But I that I building you... is now for the over fifty-five. So you're going to have to <laughs> you're gonna have to go and uh, take your mum with you or something. Go and have a. <laughs> You want to see the flincher you want to be scare, you, scare you, your old mum go and take her
1: over and see the flincher um and um whilst we're talking about the hauntings of individual places um oxfordshire is known for having a lot of um like hotels and fine eateries and um hero i think you've got a bit of an anonymous story about a mystery one we we can't name it for uh, for legal reasons but i think you've got an interesting tale about it
3: well, yeah, I mean, it, it was a couple of years ago, I, I interviewed um, the son of a sort of famous chef and, and um, hotelier. And uh, it is a very well known uh, place in the area. But uh, yeah, he was saying that he lived there as a child before it turned into a hotel. And actually, as it turned into a hotel as well for some for a couple of years. And um, he was saying that when they bought it originally, it had been previous owner had died, it was a horse riding accident. Uh, this person had died in the Uh, in the manor house and basically the guy I was talking to the son was saying when they were children you know there was a room the room that where the this person had died was incredibly cold so when I think it had turned into um, a bathroom so when you went into that bathroom you just it was never warm and it there was just a very very weird sensation you know that you sometimes get that feeling in a room where you just don't like it it just felt very strange and so they'd never used to like using that bathroom and eventually when it got changed into a hotel they still had this problem so when people would stay in the room they quickly would say no no we, we want to move from the room we don't like it we don't there's something about it we don't like and so in the end it got so serious they kind of realized that this was actually a, a really big problem obviously as commercially as well as personally and they um, they did actually get a, an exorcist into um yeah, to, to get rid of the spirits, oh, wow, or, wow, to the other side or something. Yeah, so it was uh, it was really interesting talking to him because it was all off the record, and it was it was just him, you know, him and I having a little chat. But uh, no doubt that that definitely happened.
0: So they never saw this thing. It was just this feeling and the temperature. It's which I think is quite more scary in some ways.
3: He apparitions or, or ghosts. Or- they can be scary can't they but yeah there's something about i suppose it's like in a horror movie isn't it it's the, it's that tension before you yep. see the thing that is the awful the awful bit and yes just that he's just saying you know you it was just something horrible in that room all the time it just did not feel right
0: and did the exorcism work did it yeah. end after that wow yeah okay. it did yeah
3: which okay. is amazing isn't it i lo- that, i'm always fascinated by that you know anyone who doesn't believe in that kind of stuff i think um,
0: well especially as it's uh, you know if it was kind of people coming to visit there who wouldn't necessarily know the backstory sensing something and then if that stops you know you, you can you can post-rationalize someone who maybe lives there saying oh somebody came in and sorted it out and maybe convincing themselves but independent people coming there that's quite amazing
3: yeah yeah no absolutely And I had that actually with my a really good friend in Cardiff who um she bought a vicarage a beautiful vicarage just outside Cardiff and parts of that dated back to the 14th century she was saying but, and again so they just bought this house you know, without thinking anything about it and, uh, but you know they, they had quite a few um, episodes shall we say in there as well that I went to stay there they, the chandeliers would swing all the time in certain wow. rooms the well in their bedroom and also not, not for those reasons no <laughs> swinging from the
0: chandeliers brilliant
3: <laughs> so I'm very impressed <laughs> been together for so, so many years um <laughs> so yeah but no not like that uh, So <laughs> they swinging in there and also in the bathroom and uh, I was so frightened they, I should they was telling me this when I was there I was like oh my god I literally was desperate to go to the toilet all night and I just couldn't <laughs> leave my room and uh but then the other thing was really interesting about about this as well was that You'll like this, route actually, because there's obviously a story behind it, because they started looking into it, I think. And obviously, it being a vicarage, they think, oh, well, you know, maybe there's spirits and there's there's graveyards in the garden and things like that. And there was a, there's a very small room, box room that they used for the nursery for their son. And my friend's husband went in there a couple of times and, you know, to kind of pick the baby up or, you know, whatever you do in the nursery and felt a real force on his head, like literally pushed him back from the baby. Um, but he said, not in a kind of nasty way, you know, that we've been talking about those sort of more malign type of spirits, nothing like that, just kind of, just a definite force. And uh, that happened a couple of times and he was, you know, they started looking into it and they realised that actually from this tiny room, um, in the past, there was a vicar who was very charismatic and used to preach to people standing in his garden from this room. So they started thinking about that. Anyway, it happened a couple of times. And then the baby grew up a little bit. And then they that was a spare room for people staying, not me, because I refused to go in it. But they had another friend uh, who went there for the weekend. And then in the morning, this uh, girl, another friend of my friend, had said, oh, you know, who did it then? And they're like, what do you mean? And she you know who did it? Who was, like, pushing on my, on my forehead uh, in the night? And they were like, oh, no, no, no. Wow. <laughs> and actually what they think it was is that the vicar... Uh, was blessing, you know, like they used to sort of push ah. your head, and bless. so not a nasty kind of spirit, and not a horrible vibe, but um but definitely something happening there. And uh, you know, needless to say, I don't think that couple came back. But um, and they and actually, my friend sold the house.
1: <laughs> Gosh, wow,
3: yeah. So that's a real story. I'm, I cr- mean, yeah, chandeliers swinging. <laughs> It's a rock and roll ghost, isn't
1: it? It's Brian May again. (laughs) Well, it's either Brian May or Dick Turpin. It's one of the two, (laughs) (laughs) or both, or both. (laughs) Well, I I have really enjoyed that. Before we go, I'm going to ask you, Ruth, and you, Hero, Ruth. First of all, if you were going to go somewhere, anywhere in the country for Halloween. Uh, and you really wanted to see a ghost where where would you go if you were gonna if this was like your first time ghost hunting where is sort of the um the 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 most lively the most active place in the whole of the UK in your opinion
2: well if I was well I'm not sure I would choose the most lively or the most active but I think I would just go if I was allowed to choose my favorite place to go and look for ghosts um I think it would be Houghton House in Bedfordshire, um, which is a wonderful, ruined, I think, Jacobean house. Um, I might be wrong on that. Please don't yell at me, people, if I've got it wrong. Um, but it's it's the most beautiful setting on the side of a hill. And they think it was actually the house that inspired House Beautiful in Pilgrim's Progress. Ah, uh,
1: um, right
2: sandy it really is an astonishingly beautiful place i often walk there with my dogs and i've seen the shadow people up there it's it's you know known to be haunted by just shadows um and i've seen them a couple of times maybe three or four times i think over probably 10 years of looking for them so not not ever so active but it is just so beautiful up there i'd quite happily spend time up there looking for the ghosts again
1: Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. And, and Hero, where, where would be in, in your experience of Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire, where would you find the spookiest place to spend the night where you wouldn't want to go again?
3: (laughs) I don't know, actually. I I would say, isn't it any wood? Now that you've, you've totally ruined the outside for me, Ruth. (laughs) (laughs) yeah the woods it's all that it's it's all the uh, the noises underfoot isn't it and the lack of the light uh yeah you won't catch me i think i'm just going to stay home if you don't mind
0: <laughs> i want to go i want to go to the place where you can swing from the chandeliers that sounds, that sounds great
1: <laughs> and um uh ruth when is your when is your fifth book out
0: yeah how's the book going
2: uh, it's going really well actually uh, it's nearing completion um, so I'm hoping to have it out in time for Christmas. Um, uh, I almost got to the point where I had to split it into two books just recently because it was getting a bit big for its boots. Um, but I've managed to re- rein myself in a little bit, <laughs> air it down enough. So um, <laughs>
0: that'll be that. will be that interdimensional sausage. Yeah, yeah. Just, too just much
1: space. D- don't tell us the whole story because uh, obviously we want people to to buy the book. But what is the gist of this interdimensional sausage?
2: Well, it's only a short little story, so I will tell you the story. It's fine, and you can you can then look it up when you buy the book, people. Um, so th- this was a chap living in Wales, and he was in his 20s at the time, so we're going back probably 20 years, maybe, 15, 20 years, and he was living at homes with his parents at that point, still in the family home, um, and his girlfriend used to come and stay over on a Saturday night, And she and him used to always cook themselves a proper cooked English breakfast on the Sunday morning. And it was one of those kind of little routines that we all get into habits with. So they would always cook the same ingredients, the same breakfast every Sunday morning. And it used to include five fried sausages, three for him, two for her. And that was kind of what they always did. So the two of them would cook the breakfast together. So they had this kind of choreographed dance around the kitchen that couples that are, do the same thing every week tend to fall into, don't we? You know, one would be making the tea, one would get the sausages out of the freezer, one would get the bacon out, so on and so on. And this particular morning, they had put five sausages in the frying pan and they were bustling about doing all the other parts of the breakfast. The sausages were ready. The girlfriend was doing the one with the, the frying pan with the sausages at that particular moment. So she tipped them out onto a plain white plate on the table um as she tipped them out he turned around to put you know the plate of bread or whatever it might have been down and said oh there's only four sausages and she looked at the plate and he looked at the plate and she said but there were five in the frying pan he said I know I got them out of the freezer I got five sausages out where's the other one gone well I don't know there were five in the pan well there's only four on the plate so- <laughs> So they actually, you know, got down on hands and knees to look under the table and it managed to somehow roll off or whatever. No, no sign of sausage. Um, They didn't have any pets, by the way, so this wasn't a dog or cat. I was going to say, if 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 that was my dog, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Sneaking past and and thinking it was his lucky day. So they didn't have any pets in the house, so that, you know, that wasn't even a question. So they sort of kind of shrugged and thought, well, we must just have been mistaken. Turned to get the other bits, turned back to the table and there on the plate were five sausages again. <laughs> and he's, he says, I've never been able to explain how one minute we were sure there were five in the pan. Then there was definitely only four. And it was one of those stupid moments where you both stand there looking at it and counting them like one, two. Three, no, there's only four. Um, and then a moment later, there was five. He said, but when he tries to think of it in his mind's eye, tries to really pin the memory down, he can visualise that plate. And he can see a sort of smudge where the fifth sausage should have been as if it was somehow Ooh. hidden from view or had temporarily slipped dimensions or something.
0: So, so, so that, that implies that there's another couple of them in a parallel universe who suddenly got six sausages, right? And suddenly
2: so went, what the heck have you got six out for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: well, at least, at, least, at least that's three each.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I love wow. little stories like that because they're, to me, they're the most believable. They're the ordinary, weird, little, yeah. everyday occurrences.
0: I love that. Yeah. That we kind
2: of dismiss. And it's so normal, isn't it? I mean, when me and my husband cook sausages, I always, you know, I, I usually cook six sausages. He has four. I have two. Um I don't particularly like sausages, so it's so normal that couples do that sort of thing, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah definitely.
0: I, I'm, I'm just thinking, is there an, an interdimensional sell-by date on the packet, which would be great? Either
2: that, or Dick Turpin <laughs> is wandering around and is really yeah. fed up and is nicking sausages
0: <laughs> and giving them to Brian May.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: thank oh, that's you. brilliant that thanks
0: thanks for sharing your interdimensional sausage has, story we've been obsessing about that yeah me weeks. too
1: yeah that that has uh scratched my sausage itch <laughs> um,
2: steady <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh hero if people want to find somewhere spooky to visit over halloween where should they look
3: uh well if they come on to um well, they should go on to muddy stilettos and have a look. We've we've done <laughs> this whole feature. Uh, we've just picked a couple, but we've we picked. Um, I'll tell you actually, who do we say? So, Bertha Prior, we talked about, didn't we? Minster mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Lovell Hall, that's a really good one.
1: Minster Lovell Hall is Francis Lovell.
3: Francis Lovell, that's right. Yorkist. He was on the wrong side, wasn't it, on the Battle of Bosworth? Um, uh, but anyway, the, yes, And the, this, so what happened was he hid in this little secret room in the house, gave the servant the only key to the door to supply him food and water, but the servant... Um, perish soon afterwards and but there's loads of them yeah there's the trout at wolvercoat there's a eleanor of aquitaine who's just knocking around there and chenny's manor gosh there's so many all of those beautiful actually probably the exact opposite to what you've been talking about ruth it's all those you know those haunted houses and the big buildings and lovely gothic architecture that sort of invites all these beautiful ghosts to to uh, frighten us on the night
1: excellent wonderful well right well um Thank you both for joining us. I now know that we can justifiably dress up in cooked or raw meat and black stockings and be as terrifying as the next person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I know
0: it's Halloween, but do we want to leave people with that horror story? <laughs> um, Hero Ruth, thank you both so much for uh, for coming on today. It's been great talking to you um and hopefully we'll get you back on again at some other point
3: love to you so much
1: no thank you
0: excellent all right well um join us next time on the quantum mechanics see you next time the quantum mechanics.